Welcome to the Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm your host, Christian Rebenig. As you know, based in the KRC, small changes can have a big impact. The goal of the session is to uncover how leaders and change makers develop their purpose, competence, and community to achieve a great positive impact. Every of the episodes is packed full of ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Lisa Hendrickson. She's an innovative leader, serial entrepreneur, professor, speaker, and book author with a focus on sustainability, innovation, and technology. Great to have you in the studio. Thank you so much, Christian, for asking me to be here. I'm so delighted to uh, have this conversation with you and to be sharing with your students. Yeah, amazing. Lisa, when I prepared, I was reading about your history, and it's so amazing. I didn't know how to compressed is in the best possible way with so much experience. Um, looking back at your achievements, what are you actually most proud of? What really stands for yourself out? It's, it's interesting. I think mostly what stands out to me as, as a, a, a real shining accomplishment is being able in, in my role as COO of HCC, one of the first sustainable design and manufacturing mm -hmm. companies in mm -hmm. New York City that, that I participated in, um, was actually taking the ideas around sustainability and operationalizing them. And not only was it to operationalize that idea uh, mm -hmm. of sustainability, but put together metrics to train employees and be able to, on a daily basis, change how people were thinking and seeing sustainability as, as a key important benefit and, and a way to see manufacturing in a different way, design and manufacturing. So if you're talking about sustainability and actually helping the people to understand that, how, what, how do you describe that? What for you doesn't mean sustainability in that regard? So if we were to look at, and I don't know if you use this model with your students, the UN model where we have, you know, environmental, right, and, and, and uh, uh, profitability, right, our business models. When we look at putting together a company, we can start saying the profitability model is going to be engaged with us being thoughtful about resources and resources mm -hmm. are physical resources, human resources. And, and when we look in, at, at a circular economy, how, where do these materials come from? Where do they end up at end of life? Instead of a take, make waste, a linear manufacturing process, when we start talking about those things and normalizing the way that that looks, there's real power in that. That's when I talk about sustainability. I'm really looking at putting in elements of, of physical sustainability and humanity. Of course, there's another conversation called decarbonization and net zero yeah. and those metrics. And of course, incredibly important. But I also believe in this simple, elegant solution, how to explain these people, whether they're your clients or customers, your employees, and the overall stakeholder universe you engage with. Lisa, when, when did you define for yourself the path to really embrace sustainability, circular economy? How did you 
get there? Um, how do you, because it's really one of the, it seems like one of the red lines throughout pretty much of your life. Yeah. So how do you, when did you chose that path? Let's say that. It's interesting. I started my career in technology and, mm -hmm. and I was continuing to work and build organization. When I got out of grad school, my generation was the first one to start building, um, uh, virtual companies, right? Mm -hmm. Software technology companies, right away from brick and mortar. And through that discovery, I really started thinking deeply about what does the next generation company look like? Who participates? What must we do? And it also was extremely clear to me that we were on an unsustainable path through macroeconomic trends, whether it be population growth, use of resources, all of the indicators pointed to me like a aha moment, like the pathway that we're seeing is unsustainable. I think people wake up to things in two ways. One is like a cloud burst, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that's how that was for me. Some people have it like a sunrise where it's slowly, you know, it's dark when you wake up and all of a sudden <laughs> the sun is here and you're like, okay, I see that now. And however that happens for people, so be it. Um, mm -hmm. But my awakening to it is, is one, I've always been in an innovator space. Thinking about building something also means about, about innovating that space and then looking at what is coming in the future. And so all of these elements from technology, from organizations, And then sustainability, these ideas came together that drove the idea that this is the way, not just for business, but for humanity. If we, as we roll into 8 billion people, there, and there are growth of the middle class there, and we're seeing it now, resources become more scarce, price or, prices go up. We see instability, global instability from political situations. We are seeing the remapping of the energy market. So like all of these things coming together, yes, shakes up what we're, we're seeing now, but there's a huge opportunity to be able to reinvent the things that haven't been working for so many people. What is the, um, because if you're describing this to me, I think this sounds like a Uh, you have also most likely resistance. Yeah, on the other hand side, you say, "Hey, I don't see that you. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I have. I don't have this kind of clarity on this perspective." Um, how do you deal with the resistance? What is keeping you really going um, on that path? So, what a wonderful question! And as entrepreneurs and serial entrepreneurs, you should know the first answer to your question will be no. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that is has nothing to do with you. Let's take this out of talking about sustainability and entrepreneurship for a minute. Think about when you walk into a store and a salesperson comes up and says, hi, can I help you? You say, no, no, I don't need your help. No. <laughs> right. You go shopping and you look and you pick something up and you're like, I, where is that person? I need them to help. So you go from no to a neutral. And if that person can actually help you do something, more than likely you're going to buy that item. 
So there's a transformation of attitude that happens in your shopping experience. Well, I'd like to suggest that same, you know, called reflexive no is how in innovation, invention, and something new is met in general. Part of what's difficult about hearing no or people not wanting to do your idea or your business is simply engaging with that reflexive no. Being able to understand, is that no about you as a person? Is that no about you as an idea? Or is that no, not right now? Let mm -hmm. me look around and think about that for a minute and see if there's something here that I'd like to buy. That's really inspiring. Um, that comes to my topics also with so much success. Um, what, which kind of competence, what kind of, um, yeah, um, how, what have you built up? What has been most important actually um, in your life, actually what you have learned and applied maybe there? So some of the, the best things that I, the qualities that I say help me as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur is I am a lifelong student and I take learning as serious as anything else. Because when you come up against a world of no, you better have your ducks in a row to say, I know exactly why it should be yes and how to get to yes. You might have to ask 10 people to get to one yes because they can see where that is and you have to be ready to be able to deliver on that. So often I feel like we're swimming in a world of mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Mediocrity is that even if somebody's interested in your idea, you haven't gotten the foundational principles pulled together yet in order to make either a compelling argument or be able to show that you can operationalize that idea. There's a difference between being in love with your idea and being able to show that idea in a concrete, physical sense for people. The other thing that I'd like to tell entrepreneurs out there, if you have not taken an accounting class, please do so. You must be facile in understanding finance because some of your first conversations when you're pitching to people is they have to have you be credible in understanding what you're asking for and how you are going to use that. It is incredibly important for you to be able to not only have your numbers down cold, but to be able to unpack this is what a sample P&L looks like. And the P&L is really important. When you ask for money, you're talking a balance sheet conversation. You're talking about equity investment. We're understanding stuff. But when we go and deeply drill down to what will happen every day and how are you spending that money? What is your burn rate? Tell me what, what, have a realistic TAM, show me your service addressable market and show me where the money in a P&L is going to have a straight line to be able to get market share. So you have to be a serious student and you need to be able to have that facility to have credibility to speak into that conversation about why your idea is so compelling. Right. And, and let me give you also an example about 
so often we are in love with our own ideas and think, you know, we're, we're going to like make a huge change. Go, okay, great. Whatever your, your company idea may be or your invention or your innovation. So here is innovation versus change. So for those of you who didn't know life before a smartphone, Steve Jobs <laughs> was competing against, and there are people out there, come on, I remember we had a little flip phone, it was like this, and if you had to text, right, you had to be like, A, 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 <laughs> right? It took a really long time, you guys, right? But it I still was cool, uh-huh, and but it still was cool, because we thought that's very interesting. Now, the way that contracts worked for for the um, uh, mobile companies, what they had a two-year contract, and they put in a very steep um, churn fee. Basically, they wanted to put a big barrier to you exiting prior to the completion of that term. And the reason why is they would give you this phone for nothing because they said that this had no value, but really where the value was, it was in the contract, understood. Steve Jobs comes out and says, I am gonna charge you $499. This is a phone, but it also is your calendar and your email, and you can leave the office, but still be connected to answer calls or do other things. Your work can follow you. That is innovation because People stood around the corner, right, stood online for hours and hours and hours to buy a phone versus the free phone that they could have. Why? Because this is a promise of a new future. This is a disruptive technology that changes the very nature of how we could do things. This is innovative. If we were only making this better and said, I know, no flip phone, we're going to put a, a keyboard like a BlackBerry, right? And then all the people can can do that. Still, that is a, that is a change on what is happening on the original item. This is an innovation. When people say, oh, people are going to invest because it's a no-brainer, if you can show innovation that has a key disruption inside or making a new market, right, mm -hmm. as a market maker, that's when you're able to to show some real power in the marketplace to people. And you'll be able to transform that no into, tell me more about that. You need to also be able to talk about finance, where your money's gonna go every day, right? What that burn rate is, how things are gonna look. And you have to have a leadership model, right? Just being an engineer and an innovator that can make something doesn't mean you can lead a company. So, um, Lisa, how did you learn? So, I, mean, I like that. Yeah, we, had a, we have touched on a couple of topics from resilience, uh, from learning, which is really important, from accounting, from sales, being convincing arguments, rethinking. Um, maybe coming back to no, because I think it was really uh, like um, uh, getting from a no to a yes. How did you learn that? How can I, how can you <laughs> learn that as a student? Yeah. So. Here's an exercise you could do in the classroom, or if you're not in a classroom and you're, you're, you know, virtual all over, line up 10 people in your life yeah. and tell them, ask them something and say their only response to you can be no, right? And just have them say, hey, do you want to go out for dinner? No. 
Do you want me to help clean up the house? No. Do you want to uh, uh, go to the gym now? No. See what happens when you start getting okay ongoingly with someone telling you no. And a <laughs> lot of people telling you no. Because really what you have to understand is you'll live through no. You'll live through it. And mostly, most people are not good investors for your project. Overall, out of the world of investors, there is a slim few that understand the marketplace that you're participating in such a way that they could be good investors for you. So going back to know, you want to be able to engage powerfully with the word no. You also could look at, well, that other no means I'm one step closer to yes. Beautiful, <laughs> like an example. Right? Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Um, Lisa, if you're, if you're recruiting, yeah, or if you want to work together with somebody, what are, from your perspective, the most important skills, competence you would be looking at um, that you would expect? Awesome. If you're looking for a co-founder, you want to have complementary skills. Oftentimes I see founders come to my classroom together and they might say, I'm in marketing, she's in marketing. We're gonna make a marketing company. Overall, it's a good idea to make a marketing company. You can tell me why you're gonna do that. What's not good is no one says, I love to sit and do the hard work, the boring work, let's face it. If you sit and have to grind over spreadsheets all the time and you're a really, you know, extroverted marketing person, it's almost like torture to have to do that. And then you're going to get in an argument with your co-founder about who's going to have to do it. And when we look at startup, one of the things that we know is that we have a scarcity of resources, whether that's time or money. And so when we partner with complementary skill sets, a marketing person with an engineer, an engineer who is going to work with an operations person, mm -hmm. right? And know that you have to budget time and think about who are your most important first hires. And those most important first hires are your weak areas. The mistakes that entrepreneurs make think they have to get better in their weak areas. Mm -hmm. And instead, what they need to do is be able to learn how to hire those people to come and do that work for them in the company in a meaningful way. So how do you know what you're really good at? <laughs> some of it, some of it um, is that you have agreement in the marketplace. And what I mean by that is somebody's hired you to do this in the past, right? So you're working at a current company thinking about, about putting together a company yourself. And you may look at your own work and your own position. When you see that, that you have been able to hold down a job, that you are competent in that, you feel comfortable, you get joy out of accomplishing certain things. That is, is where you know, okay, somewhere in here, this resonates with me. You can find your sweet spot.
part of being able to do something effectively is to know what you give away and what is at core something you're really good with. So, yeah. mm -hmm. right. So again, the only th caveat I put in is everyone needs to learn finance. You do not <laughs> need to do the functions of that operation, but you certainly need to understand deeply what that P&L looks like on, on a weekly basis, how you understand WIP, how you understand your tax laws. But talking about this P&L, because you mentioned this now, and you mentioned before this kind of sustainability and maybe not the focus just on profit. How does, does this, how do you bring this together? Um, how do you help, especially as of now, if you want to start a business or, but also if you're running a business? Yes. How do you, how, how do you put this focus on circular economy maybe on in place? Yeah. Exactly. You must decide what is the strategic imperative of this business? Mm -hmm. What must we do in order to have this be successful? Mm -hmm. We have to decide what are our principles? What do we believe in deeply in this company to make this work? We believe in sustainability. We believe in resource, positive resource management. We believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Whatever it is that you believe, that must be codified. You will see that, right? It'll come out in your mission, your vision, your values. But to have that not just be a talking point, we have to be able to take that strategic imperative and align what our products and services are, what our operations are going to look like, right? Everything starts from that strategic positioning and that idea. So when mm -hmm. we made our company, what we decided was there were some facts. One, in the U.S., 60% of, of uh, objects that are in the landfill come from the building trades. And I said, I don't want to participate in that. There's got to be a better way. We even zoomed down into, is garbage? Garbage. What constitutes garbage? What goes in there? What gets to be upcycled? What gets repurposed? Now, it means that you have to teach and train your people differently. So that's why you have to be able to take those ideas and be able to put them in from whether it's departments or however. What is that strategic imperative for purchasing? Does it mean that purchasing only buys from certified sustainable manufacturers? Does it mean that um, our waste will be upcycled and where? You know, what do these things actually look like? Will our products be shipped overnight or will we find a more effective way? Will we buy carbon credits to offset the carbon that we're going to produce? That's right? beautiful. So you're saying, hey, it's great to have your uh, profit and loss calculation. You need to have that. You need to have your accounting right. Yes. But before, you, before it's actually about that, you need to talk about your strategy and your strategic, strategic imperatives, as you call yes. them, yeah? The directions, literally the foundations where you, for your decision-making process. Yeah, that's how yes. I understand. Um, and this should be about the values you actually want to incorporate, what your company is about. And there shouldn't be, you should always keep that and as a as a basis or as a basis. And then this should be profitable. But this is then comes on top. Let's say the profit and loss calculation. Yeah, is this correct? Yes. 
So you have to have that big idea first. And the reason why I just bring up the P&L and finance is that your best idea on its best day, if you cannot support your people through a profitable business, you cannot give them a raise, you cannot increase benefits, you all the things that you imagine inside of creating an excellent environment that really values and treasures the people that you work for is an impossible dream if we don't run an efficient and effective organization. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Lisa, I'm just looking at the time and I would like to touch base on another topic if you're talking about um, your community or who is, who, from your perspective, has helped you the most in your life to be successful? Who should people maybe on the audience and the students, who should they surround themselves with? And yeah, um, how can they also collaborate with them to, to use that actually? So that's a great question. So I am a community builder. I think there's a method, give, give, get. We need to be giving as entrepreneurs. It, and it's not even volunteering time. It's helping one another. It's listening. I don't, I, I don't look at, I need two of these, one of that, and then I'm going to have a really great community. Sometimes friends are just friends. My good friend, I went out with my brother in the eighth grade, <laughs> you know, like she's a school teacher. I don't ask her about policies around, around operations inside of businesses. We just have a friendship. I think being supported in a community, finding people and helping them across all different aspects of the value chain will help you. We don't necessarily know today what we're going to need two years but what we, from now. What we do know is that, oh my goodness, I know I can talk to so-and-so who I met at a conference or a networking event, and I know that's in their wheelhouse. We need to be able to have a big enough community to be able to help find our way. You know, I, I love uh, how the internet has made almost anyone like one or two degrees of separation. But mostly like Austin, I know enough people to say, I don't know how to do this, but I might be able to know somebody over here who's going to send me in the right direction or introduce me to another resource. I think it's really important to be able to be used by your ideas. And what I mean by that is when our life is purposeful, we allow ourselves to be driven by these different ideas. And I think part of sustainability is being giving, is not being siloed, is being able to offer help when when you can and where you can. I'll pretty much have a conversation with almost anybody simply because we don't know, right? It's not like, oh, I need to go meet that high roller over there or I need to go and surround yourself with all kinds of people. See how you might be able to be helpful. And what I mean by that, if you can do a favor for someone or an introduction that'll take less than five minutes, you should go do that. Part of how some of the great things that come into my life is simply because I've helped somebody else. So that I, I feel like being really a giving person 
is really important. One of the things that I don't like is when people reach out, and I get these all the time. Hey, you don't know me. I saw your profile on LinkedIn. I'd like to pick your brain. <laughs> is there anything in there? For, do I want to be friends with that person? Do I want to know anything? I'm very personable with people. Mm -hmm. I see what they're doing, and I'm like, hmm, I could help put that person, or I can pick up the phone and call somebody or send an email. I could do that. Sure. And I, you know, regardless of how many accomplishments you have, we're not, I'll speak for myself, sitting on our laurels saying, oh, I did all of this. What I'm still doing is figuring out problems and solutions for something in the future. And I still need help. I'm like, because I'm tackling something new. Ask me what you can help me with too, right? What can we help each other with? That so, is the network that you'll build. So beautiful. Um, so beautiful and so true. And I think this is one of the strengths of a community that we, if we help each other, then we together have more um, and it can accomplish more and achieve so much more. Um, who would you say is your role model? Who is inspiring for yourself? Who did like, yeah. Um, where have you many ideas maybe from our. So many people are in inspiration. No, I, I, and you know, I, it's not like, Hey, there's this big industrialist, like an Elon Musk is a huge inspiration. It's usually, I'm usually inspired by what has happened for people in a small way. Everyone has so many different aspects of themselves. And we have found this in, you know, so many artists where they'll say this part of their life, I mean, and their art is so laudable. And now we find this dark side of someone. Yes, that aren't we all made up of, and I'm not excusing really horrendous behavior. And, but what I'm saying is we're not just one thing. We're many things. And so when we look for inspiration, you know, um, I, most of my inspiration, I would say comes from books. And, and and sometimes in in talks and part of the thing about inspiration is when you see other people accomplishing those things, it gives you the bravery, even if you're scared to take that action to do it yourself. So I I, I say if something resonates with you, books are interesting. I have a book going all the time. So a big, okay, a big influencer for me, Paul Pullman from yeah. Unilever. I think he is an amazing force in business, regardless if he was at Unilever or what he's done next and, and ongoing. It's the mindset that I would say is really incredible. Um, you know, and so I bring up like Steve Jobs, didn't seem, sorry if you really love him, didn't seem like he was very nice to his employees a lot of the time. He didn't seem like he was a great boss. Did he inspire? Was he an innovator? Did he? Absolutely. He did all those things. But I think there's probably mixed reviews. So we, we really want to look at people from a human space. They did this and that was good. They did that and maybe they could have done better. I love how I say that many people actually can inspire you and it doesn't need to be just big role models, but it could be literally the next person um, who's giving you inspiration and more conviction that you can do that as well. And uh, this is what we are doing here as well. So that's really great. And I think, I think it may be really inspiring for some of the listeners now. Um, 
looking back uh, at your time when you finished school, maybe, and then I said, hey, you want to go maybe and study or do for the next thing. If you, from today's perspective, what would have you wished now? What which advice would you give yourself um, uh, at that age today? I'm sorry, say that again. What would I have done which differently? Would give your younger self um, at the oh, absolutely. Um, I I would have said be kinder to myself. It's <laughs> going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. I used to have like the hard part about innovation and being on the forefront of things is is there's a lot of formulation in a marketplace where some of it feels really real to you, but it may not be really real to other people like the metaverse right now and where that's going to go. Some people are deeply engaged in that technology but it's not really real for a lot of people. And that would make me very uncomfortable in ways of like doubting yourself or like, am I doing the right thing? Is Am I expressing sustainability in a way that people can understand? So I, I would tell my younger self, you know, it's going to be okay. It's just a road less traveled. So I, I would say that. And as long as you feel like what you're doing, I'm speaking to myself, is has integrity, right? Has integrity in the action of it. That's the most important thing. So thank you. So it's also about kind of this, I like the sentence, follow the road, which is also less traveled and don't also try that. Yeah. I think you don't need to hesitate. Just go that way. It's totally okay. And it might not actually be great. Yeah. And don't be so like, I laughed what you said before about the nose, because yes, on the road less traveled, you will get more nose. <laughs> uh, yes. Thing, yeah. Um, and they shouldn't just, despite for sure, you learn and see what are the arguments. It shouldn't be the first reaction. Okay, then I stop and change my roles. Yeah. Um, that's um, so much, so, so true. Um, so is there, just to wrap this up, um, is there any, suggestion, any recommendation you would like maybe to leave our students with? So I, I love the question. This is, this is what I am going to recommend. Be a really good student, know your stuff inside out. Do not be deterred by all of those no's that you're going to hear. That's what innovation is all about. And don't think like somebody you prove them right. If you have a failure, what you're calling a failure, it may be the smartest thing that you're, you're going to do with that company. And you'll only be able to see it in retrospect. Unfortunately, life needs to be lived moving forward and understood looking backwards. With this beautiful closing word, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us in the Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.